This is Henry Rowland from Henry and the Invisibles, and you're listening to the Feedback Podcast. Keep it funky. What up, everybody? This is back with the Feedback Podcast, the only podcast about the Austin nightlife. And this is episode number 85. And this is probably the most informative and the most important show I've done so far. I've been doing this for two years. And we talk about Austin as a music city. Austin is the live music capital of the world, but we still have to defend it. And for that, we need organizations like Austin Music People. So on the show, I have Jennifer Houlihan, who's the executive director of AMP, and Bobby Garza from Transmission Events and uh, chair of the executive committee at AMP. And we talk about so many things that affect the Austin Music community, from the politics to the economics we also discussed some of the data from the census report. I mean, did you know that 50% of musicians qualify for Section 8 affordable housing, which is not available? That's crazy. Uh, and then we also talk about the report card. Austin got a C minus, which is not acceptable. So make sure you go out there and support the Austin music scene because it's thanks to people like Jennifer and Bobby working hard behind the scene that we have such a great music scene here in Austin. And it's also why the five-year anniversary of the feedback on Saturday, December 19th will benefit Austin music people. So come out and support. You can get your tickets at thefeedback.com, B-A-K slash five years we have a great lineup at a great venue tell you what since you're listening to this podcast i'll hook you up when you get your tickets on the feedback website enter coupon code amp for 30 percent off but you got to make sure you do it by the end of the weekend to take advantage of the deal all right so show some love to the austin music community and help austin keep its title all right let's go And we're live. Welcome to the Feedback Podcast, everybody. My name is Back, and I have the pleasure today to welcome uh, some movers and shakers here in Austin. Bobby from Transmission. How you doing? Hey, what's up, man? And I got Jennifer Houlihan here from Austin Music People. Hey. And shout out to everybody tuning in live on Mixler. If you want to share the link, the link is thefeedback.com slash Mixler. Feedback, B-A-K, of course, because I love my name. So we're here to talk about the state of uh, Austin as a music city and who better to talk to than the people actually make it what it is so before we get into all that stuff uh introduce yourselves your organization i'm uh i'm bobby from transmission events i'm the general manager there uh and i'm also the the board chair for awesome music people this year and i'm jennifer houlihan i'm executive director of austin music people thanks for having us yeah so first of all, congrats to you on 10 years. Thanks, transmission. Man. Thanks, dude. Uh, it's a big uh, milestone. I know you guys have been uh, at it, you know, really hard all these years. We were plugging it was away. Great. It was great. This year was great. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's it's like my third or fourth one. Awesome. And loved it. All right. Um, so let me get into some background here. What's your, what's, what's your connection with the music scene here in Austin that led you to do what you guys do? Um. So, well, I was actually working at Long Center for the Performing Arts, so I was working with the Opera Symphony and Ballet, which was a whole different mm-hmm. world, and uh, took a break, and I was taking a writing class, and a friend recommended this job to me, and I've always loved politics, 
And it seemed like a great fit between the creative world and lobbying for those folks who don't necessarily get their voice heard. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate enough to be given the job, and I've been there almost four years now, and it's been a great ride. Were you, um, how long have you been in Austin? I've been in Austin 10 years. Uh, for a while, actually, I lived in Bastrop and I was in a band. And oh, I did. Uh, nice. I sang, and then I moved to Austin, and now I'm. Metal. <laughs> I'm afraid it was only the American songbook, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, moved to Austin and realized I was really done. So now I'm, I like to think of myself as an educated fan. I uh, I haven't been on stage in a while, and I think that's for for the best of everyone. Were, were you going to shows when you got here? Were you like, oh yeah. my God, this is Austin, this is awesome, I'm going to Sixth Street. I'm yeah, going I was to going out. to shows, and it would blow me away at these these coffee shops and restaurants and clubs that, that there be five people in the audience and someone with this this voice and not just the literal voice but the voice of the their lyrics and mm -hmm. the voice of the words that they were sharing and the stories they were sharing and it just blew me away so um i retired my my lounge act and now i'm just uh, i'm just a fan nice what about you bobby uh i got here in 94 and uh came to ut uh i was I had these thoughts of being a music major for about a half a second and uh, sort of fizzled and burned. But yeah, um, as I was at college, I I discovered South by and discovered like uh, all the amazing showcases. My my most favorite showcase from that early days was like in 96. I went and saw, saw uh, Ben Folds five at uh, at Schultz's Beer Garden for the Caroline Records Showcase. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. Like I was in the middle of the crowd and I was just like hooked on live music. Um, I started playing live music, uh, in the middle of working in politics and working for elected officials, which I've, I've done for, I did for like 15 years before I started working with transmission. So, <laughs> um, the last seven of that, I worked for Councilmember Martinez who, um, outside of Mayor Will Wynn was probably the biggest natural ally that music has ever had in the city. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I was lucky enough to sort of get his ear and sort of explain to him like why music was important. And, and for me, it was it was a little bit of a self-serving thing because I was already like a live musician, like working and playing in, in town right. and stuff. Um, so those overlapped. I played live for about 10 years. I haven't done it for a minute, um, mostly because my job has sort of taken me into a different part of the music field. But I've been working for Transmission for about two and a half years now. Did you did you know about the politics of music already? Working on the, or did he just show you around, or how did that, how did that? Man, you, you always know, like, there's that water cooler talk when you're, when you're at a venue or you're talking to people that are owners or whatever. They, they'll always tell you about whatever problems they have, and especially when they found out that I was working, you know, in in the the public policy arena, they'd say, so, tell me this, you know, why do I have to do X, Y, or Z if I want to pull a permit? And I'm I, at first I was working in the state, and I was like, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. um, and and then when I started working for Councilmember Martinez, I was like, man, this is the perfect opportunity for me to ask some questions. And then when when, when we started asking questions, the answers were never good answers that we got. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I brought that to my boss at the time and said, there are all these really critical questions for something that's a that's a huge industry in this in the city that we we brand ourselves on, and we ought to be asking questions and figuring out whether we can make it better. And luckily, he was like, let's do it. Like it was it was not a it was not a real hard sell for me, which was, <laughs> which was advantageous. And he's, you know, he, he was generally like, yeah, that's why I came here too. You know, and, and one of the stories that, 
that Mike had always told was he came here with a trumpet because he was a trumpet player. So, you know, I mean, I, I think there was a natural alignment there for, for me, uh-huh. but just really the biggest thing was an opportunity for me to ask all of the dumb questions and all of the smart questions and all of the hard questions that everybody I had ever talked to, you know, had and start answering them, you it's, know? And so the transition, the transmission was pretty simple. Like you saw a transmission, like, like what these guys do. And then <laughs> I, I don't know if it was simple or not. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 when I found out the transmission was hiring a general manager, it that was sort of my dream scenario, right? Is, yeah. is to be able to work for a company like transmission that, uh, in terms of like awesome music is the most authentic, most independent and irreverent brand that I've, I've seen in this town. And, and for me that represented all of Austin, right? right. You know, I mean, there, we do enough stuff that crosses genres, sections and demographics. I don't think anybody else does that, mm-hmm. you know, like transmission does. So, you know, when I heard that they were doing that, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta at least ask, like ask, <laughs> ask the question. And that's like, that's me asking a dumb question. I was like, Hey, so how would you feel about somebody with no experience? Uh, <laughs> That knows a little bit about policy, maybe applying for this job. So luckily enough, I was able to get the job and here I am. All right. So, I mean, uh, like I said, I, I mean, I've been keeping up with this this scene for a while, kind of a, as an observant, really. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know about Austin Music People until uh, maybe a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I just knew there was something that people were talking about. Like I would go, you know, talk to, you know, I would hear what you know, James Taylor had to say. Um, or I would talk to uh, Jason McNeely over uh, on the east side, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I know the people involved. I just didn't know how deep the problem was. And the thing is, um, you live in a city like Austin that has grown so much in the past five years, I would say. Sure. Right? And it's changed socially, culturally, politically, economically, and there's a lot of things going on, and I don't think everybody is aware of really what's happening. They just go to, go out, go to a show, and that's it. They go to a festival, and that's it. They don't know what happens behind the scenes and right. what actually has to be done for this kind of things to happen so everybody can enjoy you know, Austin as a music city. And so I read that, that census paper, and when you see that, 50% of Austin musicians with day jobs qualify for Section 8 affordable housing. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And live, and a third of them live under, uh, with $50,000. 15000 15000 mm-hmm. yeah. less. You're like, no way. Mm-hmm. This is Austin. We love music. We support music. We live music. How come this kind of stuff is going down? And so, and then you see the clubs closing, what happened in Red River, and condos going up, you're like, okay, hold on, this is this is not this is not right. I guess I want to touch on some of these um, issues, and you guys can you know fill in. How has that? First of all, I want to ask you, how's that impact transmission as um, as a business? All this, all these changes. You mean like growth and development? And yes, stuff? man. I think the the biggest the biggest example of how it affects us is what's happening on Red River right now. So yeah. if you think about if you think about the live music capital of the world and what's happening here, you know, e- even as much as we say that as a brand, like there's some truth to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Austin had this. The, the reason that they called it the live music capital of the world is because they d- they figured out that they had the highest concentration per capita of live music venues of, of any city around. Right. 
if you look at what's happening on Red River, Red River is the last space where there is live music constantly, right? You 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 can go down Sixth Street and you find shop bar, shop bar, maybe a live music venue, maybe a cover band, maybe some more shop bars. Um, but you, you don't find the same concentration of live music as you do on Red River. Right. And that's something that's really special. And and I think that Transmission's really lucky to to work in that space. Mm-hmm. But what you see is there's a ton of development pressure. There's a ton of pressure in terms of like regulations and permitting and you know, it's 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 the behind the scenes stuff. So you were talking a little bit about that a second ago, right? The 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 analogy is perfect, right? The 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 story that we sell as Austin being this place that you come to to, you know, come visit or come live or whatever looks like the front of a show. It looks like when you're standing in front of a stage and you see a show going off perfectly. Yeah. What you don't see is the back where there's like a toilet broken and somebody's <laughs> trying to plug like an extension cord together. You, you know what I mean? And, right, right, right. And like a crowd's pushing up against the barricade or something like that. But that's like those those like frenetic times when everything else is happening is what's happening for <laughs> venues right now. And it's what's happening for musicians, too. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a crisis that nobody really wants to sort of talk about. And nobody ever wants to say a crisis either, right? It's a it's a tough way to sort of frame the argument. And AMP has struggled with how we articulate these things a bunch. Mm-hmm. But for me as a business, it's harder to book local acts. So one of the things you saw in the census is people don't want to pay for for local. Yeah, music. We'll, and we'll talk about we'll talk about that too. And and that sucks. Yeah. Right. Like I think that universally we can agree upon that. Um, you know that touring bands are more expensive that the costs to produce those things are more expensive and that festival prices go up every year. So like as a small business, mm-hmm. you know, I run a company that has 18 people and that's transmission is 18 people. Yeah. And that's only because we've grown about 300% in the last two years. Wow. So, <clears throat> so we, we feel fortunate in the fact that we've grown and we have an office in Dallas, which is totally rad. Um, but for us, it's a struggle to just do what we do and feel comfortable, right? Like I, I can't imagine what a smaller business that doesn't have as diversified interests as we do does right now mm-hmm. because things are tough everywhere. Rent is high. You know, all of your permitting challenges, if you want to do anything different with your venue, if you want to book particular acts, all of that stuff has become infinitely more complex, hard, and expensive compared to when I was when I was playing live and I could walk up to my buddy Grady who was running Flamingo Canteen and say, Hey dude, can I get a residency? He'd be like, how do you like Tuesdays? <laughs> right. And, yeah. and, oh, and the Tuesdays yeah. would be, I like, we always knew what it was, right. It was going to be, I'm going to get a cut of the door and we're between five or seven of us. We're going to walk with 50 bucks. Right. Mm-hmm. But we, I always knew that I had my square job on the side. Right. Right. And that I was going to make a commitment to do whatever it was. But the hope was always when I was in my 20s. Oh, man, we're going to we're going to do something. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think that 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 should have changed as Austin has grown. And that's what hasn't changed at all. And this is when where you come in. Well, I hope so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was the reason for for founding AMP is is that the folks who were in the business at that time realized that it was just as legitimate an industry as real estate or biotech or anything else and mm-hmm. deserved the same kind of respect and seat at the table when policy decisions were being made because if you think about what's happening in Austin, 
affordability of household affordability. So that includes your rent and that includes your car payment or whether you can take decent mass transit anywhere. That includes your healthcare costs, your utilities, all that kind of stuff. It's not necessarily that sexy in and of itself, but it affects every artist in this city Mm -hmm. and somebody needs to be there to fight for them. Somebody needs to be there to crash those meetings and say, Hey, do you have anybody representing musicians at this table? No. Can I sit here? And thank goodness they they've usually said yes when I've shown up. And that gives us the opportunity to, to kind of dispel these myths that people think, well, musicians make tons of money. We're the live music capital of the world. And we get to share data now and say, actually, that's not true, but here's something you can do to help here's a way you can vote that will change that or here's a phone call you can make that may be able to change that and so what we hope to do is is give people the tools they need to make the change in the community that's that's going to keep us the live music capital of the world wow that was no pressure that was right? no, 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 it's all right it's all right so i guess, I guess what, what i'm seeing is there is a disconnect between the politics of it all you know the the actual industry as far as you know, the the production companies, the bars, the musicians, and so on, and then you have the Austin population on the other side that just, like you said, just sees the the facade. Hey, it's a it's a music town, and you can see shows and all that. Right. So, I guess how much does the uh, the music uh, industry bring into Austin every year? Well, the most recent numbers are 1.6 billion. We're doing an economic impact study starting in January, and we expect that number to be over two billion. How much, it, the, how how much of that goes back into the city? <laughs> well, because that's a great yes, number. That's, yeah, the at the budget for the city of Austin music office two years ago, the operations budget was $38,000. Last year, it went up to $78,000. And this year, it's up to about $98,000. We can't have that. Right? <laughs> we can't have right? that. It's two, you know, but, almost $2 billion of work, and people are working for tips and minimum wage. We've got to figure out a way to bridge that mm-hmm. that disparity. But but to your point, like you were asking about the politics of it, we didn't even know what that was. What, True. Se- True. Seven, seven or eight years ago. Right. So what, what's happened? Is it so council members get elected or, I don't know, nominated, whatever the process is, and then they just wake up one day and go, oh, you know what? This music thing has to stop because uh, we can't. We have we have to we have to build all these uh, these roads or whatever. I, I, I mean, I'll I'll tell you several things that happened right around the same time. So the first thing was um, there was a a string of uh, you, you know. So when the the smoking ordinance was passed and people had to move to you know outdoor music venues, yeah, there was a, a permitting process, a regulatory process that you have to go through, right? Um, it, it was somewhere between 2006 and 2008 that, that there were a string of them that were just denied. And I started to get concerned. And some people that I knew that worked at the city started to get concerned, right? Mm-hmm. So we decided to sort of think about that um, in a, a formalized context. And I know that there are a lot of people that really eschew these ideas that like task force and work groups and stuff don't make a difference. The live music task force that was that was formed that you know, Mayor Wynn and my boss and some others formed. Like when when we actually did our work, like we laid a pretty good template for a bunch of stuff. But the first critical question was, we don't even know what we don't know. So we need to we need to do some research. Yeah. Um, so you know, the talking about the politics of all of that stuff, um, that was when the the founders of AMP decided that they needed to get their stuff together too. Right. So as the city was starting to 
to contemplate what this really meant, the industry was responding in kind. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you see that very often in terms of like municipal politics and how the dynamics work. But when an industry says, hey, there's some stuff going wrong, there's some commonalities between what would necessarily be competing interests. Mm-hmm. And maybe we ought to put our stuff to the side and decide what those commonalities are. And the city actually asking the same questions at the same time. Um, all of that stuff happened like right, right in tandem. And, and from that, like from that whole process for from the live music task force, we created this baseline to say, here's what we know about the sound ordinance. Here's what we know about musicians. Here's what we know about access to capital. Here's what we know about access to resources and really established a good baseline that AMP completely, you know, like took a springboard off of and started pushing a whole lot more. So it it was, you know, miscommunication and to begin with, you know, I, I don't, I, I think miscommunication is a strong word. I think that it, it's like a, it's like a collective eye on the ball, right? So oh, since okay. since you know, the late '60s, early '70s, when when Austin was in its, you know, people perceived it to 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 be have a heyday. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody just assumed that Austin music was going to be fine, and then stuff started happening, right? Like Armadillo World Headquarters, like you know, is gone. And it was like, yeah, but there's still Continental and there's still some other stuff. And even when like Liberty Lunch went away, right? They're like, yeah, but there's still emos and there's some other stuff. And everybody just assumed that music was going to take care of itself uh-huh. and that they didn't need to respond to the industry. Like they respond to every other industry that's important to the city. Right, right, right. And, and, and really what it took is the people in the music industry saying, nah, hang on. You need to treat us like you treat tech, like you treat film like you treat real estate, if all of those things are important to you, then we expect the same type of treatment. And rightfully so, a lot of people at the city said, okay, so tell me why. And then when we got asked that question, we were like, oh, because um, it's, it, it's good. and With the live music capital of the and, world. And it, right. right. And it makes music. No, so we actually took it upon ourselves. And that's that's one of the reasons that, that AMP created this biennial white paper is to say, fine, if you're going to ask us the questions, we're going to do all of the really hard research and we're going to complete all the thoughts for you. Yeah. And we're going to tell you what's wrong and give you the solutions. And then it's on everybody else that's a thought leader or an elected official to actually move into those spaces and take those things and start making changes. Do you feel like it's, all, it's uh, always a fight when you have to go to city council or is it... Uh, like, let, let, me, let, me put, let me phrase it another way. You had an, uh, you had an ally for a while. Uh, uh, Martinez. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is there someone on that side who's like, actually, hey, we need to listen to what M's saying. We need to listen to what Soli is saying, so we can actually make this thing happen because this is important to the city. Well, we've been fortunate with with Ten One. We, as an organization, Amp got very involved with the new elections with all the freshman council members that got elected and Mm -hmm. and indeed with the incumbent. So we got to know a lot of those folks as human beings before they ever took elected office. So we had relationships with them. And now that they're in office, we're able to look to people like Mayor Adler, who included music as a big part of his platform when he was running for office. We're able to look to people like Ellen Troxclair, who enjoy going to South by Southwest and Councilmember Houston, who enjoys having the Victory Grill in her backyard, we're able to have conversations with those folks. So I, I would not characterize it as a fight. 
I would say that they have a really tough job because for every meeting they have with us, they also have meetings with people asking for things for schools and for public health and for the environment and everything else. And we need to be able to make a compelling case and be held to the same standards as everyone else. And that's what the census is going to help us do. I mean, how do they, when you put it out, how did they react to it once you had all the data? But everybody loves music. I, I, I think it's hard to go. Oh no no no! This is not. This is yeah. Nobody says oh oh music. Yeah, we need to get rid of that. Man, I I think there's some caveats though, right? You know, like um, when AMP started and the the old council system was in place, I I feel like we knew we had five or six really good allies all the time mm-hmm. because we had spent multiple years years like mm-hmm. feeding data and cultivating relationships where people really got it um the challenge and the promise for 10-1 for us was hey we're gonna have a whole new group of people that we're gonna have to both educate and uh bring along in terms of like how you help and solve issues related to music and luckily there have been some people that have really responded and that's mm-hmm. awesome um I, I think that we still have work to do in in that respect and now there's a little bit of us not just giving people the latest, but also giving people all the history and saying, here's why this didn't work. And, <laughs> and, and here's why this idea is a good idea, because we spent five years developing it, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that the, the promise is, is better than I had thought it was going to be just with all the uncomfortabilities, of, <laughs> you know, like having a whole new set of people around. Right. Um, I want to touch on the, the, the report card because that's one of the first documents. When I first went to AMP, awesomemusicpeople.org, everybody, if you want to go learn more about the organization, that's the first, that was one of the first things that I read and I was like, that is not acceptable. Austin got a C minus. And I don't care what, 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 what would uh, a city would be like. This is not acceptable for a city like Austin. And some of the issues that were, so there were different categories uh, like uh, audience development and community engagement. Um, I forgot the other ones. But the ones that we got a D in, one of the biggest one was, like you brought up earlier, people not willing to pay cover to go see a band. Yep. And I see that um, everywhere. I think people don't realize how lucky we are here in Austin as far as how much it is to when you go out, you go to Dallas, by the time you order your first drink, you already dropped 50 bucks just <laughs> on on yeah. cab and parking, parking. And, mm-hmm. and cover charge. Yeah. And then you come to Austin, like, yeah, I can go left and right and, you know, and not pay. But um, what do you, what, what do you think is the, is, is the problem here? I, Huli, I, mean, I, 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 I have my theory, but go well, for it. You, I want to hear your you, first. You start, and I'll, I'll say <laughs> and, more. Okay. Well, certainly one of the things that that has affected us is is a generation that's grown up with free music, right, and mm-hmm. and streaming, and so there have been changes in consumer behavior that are much larger than anything happening within Austin city limits. Uh, so that's that's a challenge. I think something too is is when we went through the recession. There were folks who felt as though they they had to cut back 
And so they would go to a venue and they would want to go for free, but they would think, well, I'm, I'm buying a couple of drinks. And part of that probably rolls downhill to the bar. I'm taking to the band. I'm taking care of the band that way. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily true. So some of what we have the opportunity to do here is education and let people know that if there's a cover, that means you know for sure the band's getting paid, and that's probably a, a venue you want to give a second look to. Yeah. Uh, but also that music is a product worth paying for. And when you th- you think about this, yeah, MP3s are great, but there's there's nothing like being in a small dark room with somebody just a couple of feet from you singing their heart out singing singing an original song that they have put hours into making sure every word is the perfect word every every sound is the perfect sound and if you can hear that four times in one night for five bucks i i don't think that's an outrageous cover charge right Yeah, yeah um so it's you know have one fewer drink and uh sorry bartenders have one fewer drink and pay the band by paying the cover. Yeah, something I have my own theory I want to bring up, but I want to hear yours. Um, man, I've got a lot of thoughts on Feel free. This is what this is stuff. for. So I I was <laughs> sitting <laughs> Well, we've been talking for 25 already. Yeah, oh, right. Shoot. I was sitting I was sitting in a meeting earlier today and this particular person was talking about how Austin used to be and and the person said back when I could go see a band in Austin for three bucks. three bucks, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself, why is that good? Like, what in what alternate universe do you think that paying a cheap cover is a good thing for a local band? Like, the the, the proposition is completely flipped. Right. Right, so... It's like you're doing them a favor. (laughs) It's kind of some of that, but you're going to spend... If you download 10 singles from any of the you know streaming services or whatever or even if you pay 10 bucks a month for any of the streaming services like that that's that's one amazing evening that you're going to get a, a a human interaction with yeah but as as the industry at least in Austin we've not done a very good job of talking about what that is and what the value is for that right and you know, I, I think about it for for our company, right? The, the the thing that people always tell me about FunFest is that it's a more personable, a more a, a more compared to ACL and the or, other organic ones, festival experience, yes. right? Yeah, we try to foster that, and part of that is interactions with crazy activations, but the other part of that is like how our fans interact with our bands, mm-hmm. right? If if we can, as an industry, figure out how to take that and package it into something that matters for people that go out every weekend, they wouldn't be as mad about paying a $5 cover because it's amazing. Um, so we, we have a problem with articulation. I think we also have a problem with people still thinking that, that, that cover charges ought to remain flat when everything else in the entire universe is getting more expensive by the day. And I, and I think that that speaks to sort of like fundamental propositions about where music is valued. Mm-hmm. And it has all these trickle down effects, right? So philanthropy in Austin, with respect to musicians, is horrible. Like it, it, nationally and internationally in the industry, uh, labels don't take the time to foster artist development like they should, mm-hmm. right? So old acts would, you know, they think, oh, in their fifth album, they're really going to hit their stride. Now, if you don't do anything in your first album, you're gone your first for a single. single. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, your first right? Single. If yeah. you don't have something that's popping like right off the bat then it doesn't matter anymore. 
but it, it speaks to it speaks to how our culture really consumes art and i think that that's really troubling but i think that there's also opportunities and and when i look at fun fest i think that it's it's real if we can figure out how to package those things in a particular way i think that people will not be as averse to doing that stuff and what the census told me is that we have a little bit of work in terms of audience development and that's where you see on the report card that there's a d there's a d yeah and and uh, and honestly like the c minus that's about as real as i felt like we could get without really screaming but at the same time we've we've spent the last i don't know how many years really trying to be the voice of reason and it's working a little bit but i don't think it's working as fast as it needs to i don't think so either and as and as much as you know, people are moving here and discovering Austin for the first or second time, and they've they've seen the, uh, you know, all the hype around it, you know, the festivals and the live music capital of the world, right. and Sixth Street and whatever, they come here and then they see that it's not really what they expected because there's not as much live music as there used to be, and then they're like, well, you know, I just take to going to a bar and that's it, and I don't want to pay if I just going out to get drunk, I just gonna go next door and. You know, and pay seven dollars for a drink. Where I could have, you know, paid yeah. for that. Uh, seeing a band, I wanted to, my my theory is a little is one step further. And correct me, uh, no, don't correct me. I'll just say it. <laughs> it's <laughs> your show. It. Yeah, it's my show. Too, too late. You already made the offer. The window's closed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Done. So, one thing I get a lot, I hear a lot from people is it's a lot of the same stuff. Um, one from one bar, one venue to the next. There's not that much difference. It's some dude had money, open an establishment with a bar in it. Uh, there's not necessarily uh, a theme, not necessarily um, uh, like an identity to it. It's just we have a bar. We're in the middle of you know downtown. People walk around. They're going to stop at our bar and drink, and that's it. And what's been happening a lot is the special events. So the monthly events like Body Rock, like Petty Grossa, like that kind of stuff. Where people are like, you know what? I don't go out all the time, especially people who get you know, older with responsibilities and so on. Um, but I want to make sure that when I do... I thought we weren't going to talk about age, dude. About what? Yeah, you about took age. that off the table so we couldn't talk about oh. getting older. <laughs> I talk about myself. <laughs> uh, he, he has responsibilities, you guys. Yeah, I have responsibilities. And my body can't keep up like I used to. <laughs> I can used to. But, um, uh, yeah, so whenever you you go out, you want to make sure that it counts. So if you know you're going to drop $10 or whatever it is, you want to make sure that's great. So I think that what needs to happen is needs to have more of these special uh, special events. And I think it's up to the people who actually own the bars and own or run the clubs to be like, hey, you know what? We want to do something special that is actually worth the 10 bucks. Because if, if I go someplace and I do spend the $10, and I walk in, it's not what I expected. I'll I'll walk out. I mean, I paid it anyway, but that, that doesn't, I'm not going to walk out, you know, saying I went to this place and it was great. And you won't tell your friends. Yeah, you won't tell your friends, but, so but, it, won't, it will not grow. T- I mean, or I, you tell your friends it's terrible. I, I kind of disagree with you a little bit. Really? And and I'll tell you why. Because I, I spent my time growing up in Austin. Uh-huh. And the thing that I went, that I wanted to do when I was a kid is go to Emo's. I didn't care who was playing. And I would pay whatever cover it was between three and seven dollars. And granted, this was twenty years ago, but I, it didn't matter to me because I was relatively certain that whatever was there was going to be amazing. 
local band, touring band, I don't care. Yeah. I just went because that was the scene that I went to. Or I went to Nasty's on Monday. I, I, I didn't care what Mel was going to spin. Mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be amazing. But right? you knew Mel, and you knew what's going on at Emo's. That's right. the difference. But, but, but at Emo's, I didn't know what was going on. It could have been thrash metal. It could have been pop punk. It could have been you know three-chord rock stuff. It didn't matter to me. And and that's how I stumbled upon crazy stuff like at the drive-in and Saul Williams, man. You know, but, but you trusted but, that it was curated. It's kind of right. like the, and, the Continental Club now, and, and, anytime. But that's what I think is amazing about Austin. Is that so? Think about Holy Mountain. You think about Mohawk. You think yeah. about Sidewinder. You think about Continental. You think about Empire, even right. right? All of those, all of those rooms care about curation, mm-hmm. and that's that's the value of where you go no, i am i'm with that so what i'm saying needs to happen more i know yes. more and more places but my point is is that it happens every night in certain spots but if you try to make everything special and i feel like this from a booking perspective i can sell you a show and i'll tell you i'll tell you the show is going to be great mm-hmm. and i can put like jazz hands around it and tell you it's going to be special it'll be the same thing that we do but on on some level if you say everything is going to be special, what's really special at that point? No, no, no. Not like, everything special. What, I, what, I, what I'm saying is if you look at the stretch of bars from Mopac all the way past 35 on the east side, I'm, I'm not counting South Congress or just that stretch because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, people go downtown. People just come here. They, all they know is 6th Street, right? So, um, But isn't that the problem? No, that, that is too. But what I'm saying is if you look at that stretch of bars, that's like 150-something bars, right, back-to-back. Back. And so if you're going out and deciding where to go, you have bar A and bar B. There's not much difference between the two. You just choose to go there because you know I know a bartender that hooks you up or whatever. But if there's more of those, hey, you know what, this is actually something we don't do often. This is a great, this is a great party to go to. This is a great band to go see. And that happens more than just Red River uh, and and South Congress and South Lamar. I think that that would actually bring more people into uh, into the live music scene. I think I think you're does, on. Does that, does that make sense? It, it makes sense. It makes sense to me. I don't know if uh, it the, makes sense. Uh, to uh, okay, take take yourself out of the equation and think if you're just the, the the guy who just got here, and all you heard about was hey, this is like happy music of the world. I know about Sixth Street. Right, I, and I think that that's a that's a fundamental problem, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sixth you know, Street. Yeah, uh, it, and and I think that on the practical side, what you what you're asking is venue owners to change their business model, right? And th- th- whoever is running stuff on Sixth Street now is they make their business decisions however they make them. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is is that you can change the narrative about where to go. And that's part right. of that's part of the reason that Red River has created their own cultural district. Yes, is to say, man, maybe it ain't there, but if you come here, it's amazing, right? Yeah, every, every night of the week, and you know, Sixth Street always wasn't always the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Sixth Street has evolved over the last twenty something years that I've been here, right? And I think that it will continue to evolve, just like E Six has become something, because when I first got here, E Six was not where you went. Yeah, just like yeah, there just was like, no lights, right? But but just like when you went to Liberty Lunch, you had to walk past a bunch of abandoned warehouses for a minute to get to a spot. Mm-hmm. But so what that tells me is that the ecosystem is is not just organic, but it's living, breathing, and changing, just like language does, and just like music does. So I don't want to hang on to a particular like road mark and say we got to change that. 
what I want to do and what I think the responsibility for AMP is is to say, here's where the next stuff is popping off. Right. And and this is this is what we need to foster. Mm-hmm. I think, too, we need to look at, if we look at the report card and we look at the grade that we gave music tourism, because a lot of, you mentioned people coming to Austin to enjoy music. There's something to be said. Maybe not everything is a special event, but there's something to be said for a commitment to excellence across the board. Uh-huh. And that's that's what's special about the Continental Club is you may go and hear a band and it is not your genre, but you know it's it's going to be best to breed because you can trust who booked that club. And then if you, you take that a step back and you realize, well, how are we training our bookers in this community? How are our bookers learning to evaluate music? How are bookers learning to develop artists? And are we giving them the tools that they need? That goes back to this idea of business clusters and hubs and co-working spaces and helping the music industry develop. So the musicians are wonderful and they're doing working on their musicianship and they're doing all that kind of stuff what kind of investment are we making as a city in the people who curate those acts and book those acts and help teach those artists how to have the biggest impact Mm -hmm. and we've got a huge opportunity there if we want to remain the live music capital of the world we need to work on more than just the musicians we also need to work on the the whole support system that undergirds I mean, musician's life. An, another aspect of what I meant by um, also special events is that, you know, you have the big festivals. You have the ACL, you have Fun Fest, South sure. By, but you also have all the stuff in between. Yeah. You have the everyday go on a Tuesday or go on a Wednesday at Seaboys and catch a show, you, you know. And I think that people, you know, will, the festivals will always, I mean, will always work. Well, they will. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope they will. I'm sure they will. You have nothing to worry about there. Um, But um, I feel better now that you said that. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) But I think there is, um, there is, that goes back to the disconnect I was talking about earlier where you you have the politics, you have the stakeholders in the music industry, and then you also have the the Austin population. And that goes to what I brought up at the, the, uh, the breakfast this morning is that there's not enough of a um, bridge of people educating people who live in Austin saying, hey, you know what? If you go to Empire on any given night, you're going to get this. You're going to get a great show. If you go to yes. Continental Club, uh, this is the kind of place it is. And it rotates a lot. Um, if you go to, I don't know, um, you know, the Broken Spoke or what. I was at Mon- uh, Monkey Nest yesterday. There was a band playing. Yeah, yeah, there was a yeah. band playing. We had a meeting. I was like, holy shit, I didn't know they had music here. <laughs> it's live music capital of the world, man. Uh, exactly. Yeah, anywhere I go, I should go to Chipotle and hear music. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that's what I mean. I, I, I think that as much as there is a lot of work being done on your end, as far as putting on great shows and going to City Hall, representing the interests of, of, um, of the music industry, there's also an education part to this that needs to happen. I mean, I'm trying to do my part as much as I can. Thank you. I yes, try. thank you. Very much. Uh, I wasn't looking for, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, seriously, it, it brings up a, an important thing, right? Like, I, I feel like AMP, AMP has a particular role and the stuff that we do advocating for the industry is one like very small piece of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't think that that 
is supposed to be a panacea for everything that the music industry does. Right, right. What I think that we lack a little bit right now is, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term, music evangelists. So that's people that say, um, awesome music is amazing. Here are the 75 examples every week that you can see. Right. And and on some level, when 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 I first got here, that that there there were spaces that I could find that information. Yeah. And it's it there's more information now from like a million different sources and it's hard to distill it for people. That is true. But it having having voices like yours and having other people that talk about why awesome music is amazing all the time mm-hmm. and giving very concrete examples, like interviewing TW. You know what I mean? Like that dude has been struggling and working yeah. and doing his stuff for a long time. And those are the people that we need to prop up in Austin, right? In every genre, in every corner of the city. Yeah. But if we don't have that many voices that provide that sort of collective, like here's the Austin flag and here's why it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's the stuff that we do only matters a little bit. Right. Right. I have a question here from uh, Sonny, actually, <laughs> from the chat. Uh, let's see if I can read this right. Uh, when I lived here in the 90s, uh, venues took much more active role in promotions. After moving back, I've noticed that it's usually just a show promoter and sometimes the acts. How much impact has outsourcing uh, that task to independent show promoters had venues uh, being hesitant to pay acts and give them a cut of the door or the bar? I man, I don't know that I agree with that premise, man. No, it was like, a qu- it was a question, I guess. I mean, I mean like for for I I know what we do for our business, mm-hmm. right? We when we book a show, we coordinate with the venue, we coordinate with the band, we provide posters, we do all of our stuff on social media, and the expectation is that when we have a venue partner, that they're going to do the same thing, and then when we book a band, that they're going to do the same thing too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I I think that. I think that the difference, at least in my mind, is that in the 90s, I could go to like two places and figure out exactly what was popping anywhere in Austin. Mm -hmm. And it was the Chronicle and something else. You know what I mean? The Chronicle. And and so I I didn't have to go search for anything. I just picked up the free thing (laughs) that was (laughs) on campus. (laughs) I, I would walk to Sound Exchange, right? I would pick up the free Chronicle and I would go look through and see what all it was. I, I think the challenge now is that there are so many different streams of information that people consume on a daily basis. Like think about just the stuff that's on your phone. Yeah. Plus the stuff that you may or may not see in print, you know, plus the stuff that you see on your desktop computer. Plus and social it, media. Right, plus, right, right. plus, plus. And plus, plus, plus. And it becomes a lot harder to market to all of those things. I don't think that there's any, well, at least from our side, I don't think there's any less care. I think that it's, much more challenging and it's a very different market than it was in the nineties. Yeah. And I think it goes back to as well to do these, do these promoters have an opportunity to intern at somewhere like transmission and learn how it's done? Or are they just a friend of the band and they're giving it a shot? I think there, there's a, a range of professionalism that's out there. And the more professional your partner is, the better the response is going to be. That's not malice and it's not laziness. I think sometimes it's just experience and the fact that um, folks are making things up as they go along. They haven't necessarily had a mentor say, actually, this is the best way to 
promote a show. This is the effective way we found yeah. for this market. And the other thing that we've lost, I think, is back when you could go to a record store and there'd be musicians there handing you their postcards, you know, yeah. and, and handing you their flyers and saying, hey, I see you're looking at the CDs in this section or the records in this section. You want to like my show. It's, it's a lot easier to sit in your yoga pants and you oh, know, yeah. put something on Facebook than it is to go to a record store and talk to strangers. But um, I'm, I miss that as a fan. Yeah, I remember, I remember when uh, Bavu Blakes used to walk around downtown 6th Street and say, I have a CD for you. Give me your price. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, Blazing Styles. I did it with Baby G. Here you go. You you, you name any any dude that really worked or, or woman that worked in the 90s, like, that's what you did. Yeah. Like, you stood somewhere in front of some record store or on 6th Street with a fistful of flyers and probably some mixtapes or a mix CD that you're going to sell or try to push. Mm-hmm. And that... That was the extent of your marketing, man. You know, you know what I mean. Like, and it's it's just different now, and it's so much harder for young bands. I, I it, it has, and 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 I mean, I'm all technology is great. You know, communication, blah blah blah, whatever. You mean like this podcast thing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, too much. It's too much. All this stuff on the internet is is too much. Um, but you know. A lot of um, bands actually just stick to, yeah, like you said, sitting at home and doing a bunch of uh, Facebook blasts and think that's, that's that's all you need to do. Right. And then when they go and perform, they'll go perform, get off stage and leave. And I'm like, no, you got to stick around and talk to the people who came to see you mm-hmm. so they can catch on. And well, then, and listen to the other bands. And listen to the other bands, too, and connect. Yeah, Dude, yeah. But that's, that's Be hard. part of that community. That's hard, though. You know, like... <laughs> I, I mean, you're, if and and this goes back to some other infrastructure stuff that we talked about in it, that we've talked about a lot, right? So bands that are here that don't have a manager have an opportunity to fail every time they play, and and I'll I'll, I'll tell you just from my personal experience, I played music with a handful of nerdy dudes, and we we were very social in our our particular musician friend group. Yeah, but the second we got off stage, the first place we found was like the furthest place away from everyone else that we could go sit and drink and laugh with each other and not have to interact with the outside world. And I think that a lot of artists are that way. They they're introverts until they get up on stage, and then they're amazing people, right? Right. right. But it took somebody else saying, "What are you doing here? Go stand at the merch booth, you dummy." You know what I mean? (laughs) Or go talk to people that are smiling about the stuff that you did. And I never considered it. And and I think that half of the guys I played music with didn't either. Right. Yeah. yeah. But that's a that's a a level of like professional help that is here a little bit in Austin, but is not as prevalent as 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 it is in other places. Right. And as a musician, you have to do those things. But if nobody's going to tell you to do those things, you're going to go stare at your navel and well, cry into your drink, man. That, and that goes to another... on Facebook that no one loves you. Yeah, exactly. right. Write a whole rant about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that brings up to another, another point. I think that was part of the, the report card was the fact that there's a lot of niche. Uh, people just operate in their own circles. They don't necessarily collaborate outside of that. So if I'm a hip-hop group and I'm trying to get up there, yeah, I'll go to Austin Music ex- uh, Mic Exchange, and then that's it. And I'm like, well, you know, there might be some other shows you might you might be able to get on or go check out something that maybe is close close to what you do. Um, do you think that's that's still still the case today? Or I mean, it wasn't a report card, but 
do you see it uh you see that more and more or? well i think i think we have an opportunity right now with the new music commission to take a look at the genres that have been underserved there's there's a enormous hip-hop community in austin and you wouldn't know it by yeah. by reading the music media that we've got there's a there's a huge rock and espanol there's a huge tejano music community and that's not necessarily part of what most music fans hear about mm -hmm. and the new music commission because of this 10-1 because of these new council members are looking at the fact that music is part of all of austin it's not just part of this area downtown and on the drag yeah it it is part of everybody's life And I hope that we'll see some outreach there. And, and I think that's something, one thing I love about Austin is that there's something for everybody. It's just a matter of knowing. But yeah, it's, it's something for everybody. Like it took me, it took me two years to find out about a hip hop hum day hmm. back in the early 2000. Bring that back, by the way. Yeah, please, Jay. Um, hmm. And um, yeah, and it's just a matter of, you know, knowing what's going on and otherwise. What you gonna stick to just going out, get drunk, go home? Like you gotta be able to explore and once in a while I'd be like, Hey, I'm not gonna go to Rainy Street this Saturday. I'm gonna go hang on Red River, go to Side Wonder, go check out some shows, go to East Side, go to White Horse, go to whatever. You know, you gotta be at least curious about everything at Austin has to offer. Otherwise you'll you just stuck doing your own your own thing. And then you and then you bitch about the fact that it's all the same. Right. <laughs> Right. Why do we see the same bands every week? Well, maybe it's because you I, go in the same residences yeah. every week. I, I also think that there's, you know, like the pressure on bookers to, to complete, you know, or just to fill a dark room every night is mm -hmm. tough. And I think that, it, you know, whatever genre of music you're playing, like you have to go figure out which venues you feel like are right for you and develop some relationships. Mm -hmm. But... I know that personally when I was playing live that I had success when I would put together a bill myself and I would sell it to a booker and say, this is what I want to do. And, and honestly, if you have one band in that bill that's relatively successful or even wildly successful, the stuff that you do underneath it allows for an opportunity for diversity, for like mixing it up. It doesn't all have to be rock or indie rock or hip-hop or jazz or whatever mm -hmm. like you if, if you have somebody that's strong and you put a really amazing bill together that you can sell to a booker like chances are and and i i know this from the guys that i work with if you tell them why it's interesting they're gonna go done like sold let's do that mm -hmm. but there's a responsibility for the artist sometimes especially if you're local and really trying to get it to put that stuff together and and like push it out right yeah like It's it's hard enough as the people who are trying to keep a room open every day all day when when you get amazing opportunities like that and somebody wants to take the initiative to do that I think that those those opportunities are still there I just think they get exercised less Yeah any artist can do that any artist Oh did not know did not know Um I want to touch on the the noise thing because <laughs> one I don't get what you want to live downtown and bitch about the noise That's to me doesn't make sense. You move across from uh, uh, Mohawk, you stay at the Westin, or you, mm -hmm. you live behind Rattlin and West Six, you know, I, whatever. Um, so, what is the, the, <laughs> the main the main issue? Can you just like give an overview of the North Ordinance deal to people so they know? Because I, I talked to someone today who actually had no idea that was going on. 
Well, I, <laughs> Which I think, part? <laughs> I mean, the, no, the noise ordinance is, it's a, comp, as, as Tyranny would say, it's a complicated cat, man. Um, <laughs> but I, th- I think the principle that's underneath it is, is the one that is most helpful. And that's the idea of this agent of change principle, that if you are a hotel for example, and you're moving in next to a music venue that's been there for 15 years, you are the agent of change, right? You are are disrupting uh, that situation. And so it's your responsibility, understanding that the neighborhood is not a blank canvas, to do something about that and say, I'm moving next to a music venue. Maybe I need some extra insulation in my bedroom units. Maybe I need some thicker windows on that side of the building. (laughs) I... I didn't say that, but for example, I did. Uh, at the same time, if you're a music venue and you're moving into a residential area or or an area that's been residential for, for a very long time, it's your responsibility because you're disrupting, right? So it's your responsibility to consider the neighbors and think, well, maybe I need to do more soundproofing in my venue mm-hmm. to make sure that these folks can get a safe, you know, have a good night's sleep. And that's just common sense for, for most I, I folks. I think it is. And, and people... But you don't see it in business. <laughs> that looks like it's a whole other show looking at your face. Yeah, that's like a whole. That's we, a whole other feedback. We, we are we have 55 minutes already. <laughs> yeah. So we go fast. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, the whole noise ordinance thing, it, it's, it, it, it sucks. Uh, I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, right? Like, so we... It's understandable, we what well, we we we've, we've spent the last eight years refining that stuff, mm-hmm. and it was a lot worse before, and people didn't even recognize how bad it was, right? Like uh, there, you understand like from a business perspective that there is some modicum of regulation that you're gonna have to just eat, right? right? It's just what it is. Yeah, it just yeah. cost of doing business. But the. The opportunities for how noise interacts with both businesses and people in residences has to start with conversation. And that's what it wasn't doing eight years ago or nine years ago or whenever we started this long conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. It was it was I hate you. You're too loud. And the venue saying, you know, screw you. If it's too loud, you're too too old. This is live music capital of the world. Move. Like none yeah. of, none of those conversations are entirely productive, but what what we started to do and the way that we changed the 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 sound ordinance, and I really want to take great pains to say that it's a, the sound ordinance and not the noise ordinance, and while that seems like framing of an issue, we're talking about people's art that is getting amplified, and it's not noise, right? Good points. And, mm-hmm. and change the language. I think it's. I think it's. Well, it is the sound ordinance, it, yeah. and people talk about it as noise, and I'm like, man, that is so disrespectful. But that's a whole different sidebar. That would be the the next feedback. Right. Uh, what what we tried to create were these mechanisms. So if you had an outdoor music venue permit, and there were some businesses that were affected, that you had to sit around a table and look at somebody in the eye, right? Mm-hmm. You had to you had to come talk about what your problems were. And what we found, at least over the course of several years, is that it was a lot easier when people had to look at each other in the eye and say, here's why I hate you. Or here's why I think you're the worst thing in the world. Because It's like any relationship. Exactly. But because, like chan- dating. because chances are people aren't going to say that to your face. And their, their responses are going to be much more modulated. And they're going to be more willing to 
to actually think about some creative solutions. And we've got we've had some really good ones. You know, like when when the city found money for a music venue assistance program and there's, you know, opportunities for venue to access, you know, low interest loans, you know, to do the things that they probably should, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people don't know about. Like that stuff came out of all of these just conversations where, you know, some affected party was saying this business is too loud and the business saying, man, I didn't got the cash for this. And the city finding the money and saying, you know what? Here you go. Oh, here's, wow. here's what it is. Right. And then things getting immensely better in terms of like how the conversations flowed. Right. And I, I think that um, there's a there's a, a, a an intention on a lot of people's part to say, well, the noise ordinance is is messed up. The sound ordinance. Right. It, no, <laughs> but that's what but that's what people say. They say the noise ordinance is messed up. And it's mm-hmm. it's 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 some of that. Some of it is our industry being proactive when stuff happens like the Weston, you know, so like when, when, when Mohawk was first starting out and Red River Flats, that's what it was at the time was being built. Yeah. Like the owners and the leadership at Mohawk, they walked across the street and they said, Hey man, I see you're building residential here. Guess what's right across the street from you. And they said, what? And they said, Hey, it's a live music venue with a stage. They said, what? (laughs) With an outdoor stage. (laughs) With an outdoor stage. Yeah. And to the developer's credit, they said, we'll pay for a wall. That seems a little bit better for us. We'll pay for triple pane windows in in your bedrooms. That seems a little bit better for us because the cost proposition on the front end is not nearly as expensive as when you have people living in your spaces and they're pissed. Right. Right. So however we can set those frameworks up and and make those things the norm is where we want to go. And I think that we've gotten a lot further than we had. But man... We it's 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 hard enough for us as like a handful of people that are on the amp board with Huli, you know, having her finger on the pulse of all of these things. But every time a building pops up, we're like, oh, man, here it goes again. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have the same conversation with a different developer. We're going to have the same conversation with a different hotel. You know what I mean? And it's it's like it's like whack-a-mole every time something happens and Austin is prospering. And I think that that's great. Yeah. But every time that happens in the entertainment district. And I take great pains to say that it is in the entertainment district. Mm-hmm. You have to know where you're building. It's in the entertainment district. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and I will say that the the developers who have reached out to AMP, we've had great success with them. The people who have reached out to the Austin Music Office, Hotel Van Zandt is a great example. They knew that they were building in the heart of a music area and figured they're a hotel. People are probably going to want to sleep. So let's figure out how loud it gets. And they put sound monitors up during South by to figure out what specs they needed to build their building. And that means they're going to have happy hotel guests. They're going to have people raving about their hotel, that they had a good night's sleep. They had a great experience. They were able to walk to a music venue. Hopefully the same will be true with the, with the three properties opening in the red river cultural district, because those guys have been in touch with them from the very beginning and have been good neighbors saying, we want to be part of this district. We chose it on purpose. We're not building in the Red River Cultural District in hopes of it turning into something else. We're building in the Red River Cultural District because we want music venues to thrive and we want music fans to come and stay in our hotels. And that's the kind of conversation that makes Austin growth really exciting and, and is a little less like whack-a-mole. But there are still plenty of 
hotels that that don't know about us yet or or it doesn't cross their mind and and we've got to do damage control there bravo bravo (laughs) to all these people actually know what they're doing yes (laughs) there are good developers out there i I feel like i need to say that several times a day in this city there are good (laughs) i mean often it's going to change there's no there's no stopping it you know might as well adapt and then work together and make it happen exactly as as Everybody can get bitter on one end, but if, if there's no conversation, it's just going to get worse. People gonna get pissed off, and right. it's it's, it's going to hurt the city in the long run. So it's about nobody creating, wants that. It's about creating the city we want together rather than fighting about the city that somebody else built. You know, the, when you talk, it's like everything you say could be on a shirt, on a rock, <laughs> on a tablet, or something, seriously. <laughs> on a scripture or somewhere. Thank you. Thank All you. Right, we were talking for an hour. I just want to... Um, wrap up here in the next few minutes. Uh, what are some of the, well, you talked about some of the big wins that you've had. What are some of the, the takeaways that we can get? Uh, how can people help? I guess, I guess my question. Well, one, one thing I would say is if you're a music fan, um, we talked about this a little bit this morning at the breakfast, you know, the hole in the wall can't pay their rent on your good memories um, of a party night you had there in 1987. They, they need you to come and buy a Lone Star, right? Mm-hmm. So if what we see so often on social media is is some venue is closing, some some business is closing, and everyone gets very outraged and indignant about it. And you ask, when was the last time you spent any money there to help them keep their doors open? And they can't remember. So if you are a fan of a music venue, go yeah. occasionally. <laughs> and And please tip the band. Tip the bartender. It's it's a almost a two billion dollar industry, but it's built on a lot of people who are working for tips and minimum wage because they love the scene and they love what they do. If you're in a position where you can leave a couple extra bucks at the bar or in the tip jar, um, it's not just good karma. It it takes care of the whole industry. I mean, I don't think you can walk to someone in Austin and ask them, "Do you do you love music? Do music? Do you care about the music?" And they go, "No." I don't think that that person exists. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty rare, for sure. I've yet yeah. to meet someone be like, "Nah, screw this stuff." I came here yeah. for the parks. I'm like, "What?" <laughs> then there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, even even the com- that, people now who you complain. Up a whole other conversation. That, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a episode number four. Yeah. But that's 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 a very true story. Anybody who's complaining about music, and Bobby can tell you this from years of experience, they always start by saying, "I love music. I'm not against music." But, but you <laughs> yeah. kids and your rock and roll are just yeah. too loud. Yeah. yeah, it's all right. It's all right. One thing I did not know that you brought up this morning was mm-hmm. that there's like over 130 something nonprofits, music related yep. nonprofits yeah. in Austin for different, um, mm-hmm. different cause. I mean, all music related, but all different purposes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Health Alliance, you guys, uh, Soli, uh, Black Fret. Yes. Right, Black right, Fred. AMF. which you just joined. Thank you. Yes, yes. Uh, go to org. find out about what they're doing. It's a membership uh, organization. They do a lot for the music uh, community here, uh, put on these private shows and all that. So it is <laughs> worth it. It's, I look forward to being part of this. I'm really excited yes. about Friday. <laughs> Woo! The Black Ball, Paramount Theater, 730. Yes. Uh, so is there like a, um, a place where you can, there's a list of all of that? Oh, of all 135 I will look it up. I will try to compile the best I can. I don't think there is a single place, but... um, There you go. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the music office is probably the best. Yeah, the close that place. would be the closest place. Okay. I'll try to put as many links as I can. Thank yeah. you. And there, yeah. there are so many great organizations. One's helping musicians. One's there, are, one's helping kids uh, grounded in music. Kids in a new groove. Swan Songs brings musicians to uh, folks who are in hospice care. Songwriting with soldiers helps soldiers process their PTSD by by turning their experiences into music. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in an extraordinary city with all these people trying to be of service using their art we're very very lucky all right we're gonna get into uh plugs shout outs uh austinmusicpeople.org we would love for you to sign up for our mailing list so we can help uh, keep you informed on what's going on on the policy side uh we don't communicate that often but when we 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 won't fill up your mailbox is my point. We'll we'll wait until there's a reason for it. Uh, the Austin Music Office, ATX Music Office, also has a great mailing list. So go to austintexas.gov and find the Music Office and uh, sign up for their mailing list, and you'll get cool stuff delivered right to your inbox. Right? Yeah i i I don't plug. You don't plug, but because uh, Huli does it so well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um. You know what you asked is what people can do. And the biggest thing that I think people can do is become informed yeah, about what's happening, not just with respect to the stuff that we do, but like in musicians' lives. Because, man, if, if you go to some local show and you just ask people how they're doing and how they did at the show and get their personal story, it's going to make you think about next time you go and try to not pay for cover yeah. or I'm on the list. Yeah. 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 I mean, so you know, I, I think people just providing a personal touch to like all of these different aspects of music will get people's eye on the ball a little bit more and make them think about it. And, and, and I think that that just information and knowledge naturally breeds a level of activism that's important. Yeah. And so if you put, you know, awesome music people is one of those places that you check out on Facebook or whatever. And you're already doing all these other things to make personal connections with artists or venue owners or whatever. It, 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 it helps you prompt you whenever we need it. And that's, that's the hardest, the the, the biggest challenge that we have is that when we, when we try not to do it very often, and I think perhaps maybe we're going to have to start doing more of that, but if we have to get people's attention, it's going to have to be like, Hey, this really, you know, fucked up thing is happening and we need your help. And then, yeah. and then what it takes and, you know, FunFest has been the beneficiary of, of AMP's advocacy. Um, when we were fighting for space at Auditorium Shores. And yeah, really, I, was, I wanted to bring that up, but go ahead. No, but when we were fighting for space at Auditorium Shores, the, the, the quickest way that we got people's attention was sending 11,000 emails. And once that happened through AMP and it wasn't through us, like it was, it was AMP saying, here's why you need to be concerned about this stuff. And I was trying to take great pains to not advocate from our side. Right. Mm -hmm. But if it's a community issue, AMP is the proper place to do some of that stuff. But, and it absolutely was a community issue. This, it was bigger than transmission. It was, it was the principle and, you know, you're doing something right when you're, you start getting emails from um, council staff going, uh, yeah, could you stop with those emails? Cause we, we got the point already. You don't, <laughs> you don't need to keep sending. And, yeah. oh man, I wish I could, but no. freedom can't, of speech. I can't, can't you know, man, now. I can't stop it. 11,000, yeah. you know, but we, we have to start advocating for particular things and that's why we 
wrote this biennial white paper, which gets a little bit dense, but also has some some you know high level stuff that we would want to aspire to see in the next two to ten years, right? Right. And getting people to say yes, this is a good idea, which is like one sentence and one click to hit send, is it makes a world of difference. And I know that a lot of people don't think that that's the case, but and and sometimes one email gets lost, but if it's 11,000 emails that say the same thing, it's really hard to ignore. And, and from, and, and I say that speaking from uh, like a position where I worked in a council office and I worked at the Capitol. Like if you get 11,000 of the same thing, you, you have either fallen down and not looking at, you're not looking at your computer if you don't recognize it, or you really have to say, what is going on here? And what's the real solution, right? Like how do I dig into this stuff? Mm-hmm. So, Everybody that pays attention and everybody that like gets involved, even in those very small ways, is super important. It matters. It matters. And I, I like the idea of uh, music evangelists. As, I mean, I, I was always, uh, I'm a big fan of DJs. I mm-hmm. keep up as much as I can with live music. But when it comes to the hip hop stuff, you know, people like me, people like uh, T-Double, mm-hmm. um, people like uh, SKP, like they keep up with that stuff. But there's there's a back in the house music scene. There's another one expert at the country or the country scene. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. The rock and the Tejano and the salsa, whatever it is. And I think that yeah, there, there needs to be a way for them to be like, hey, you know what? I can tell you what I can tell you what's going on. I'm the guy to talk to because I mean, at the end of the day, they, they get they get those text messages every weekend going. Hey, uh, I got some friends in town. Right. Uh, I want to <laughs> yeah. dance. Where should we go? Where should we go? But if if they go, look, uh, I want to check out some country. I'm like, I got nothing for you, mm-hmm. but I know this other guy you can talk to, and he'll tell you what's going on. Right. So I think that um, uh, there needs to be more of a like circle community of these quote unquote experts that can actually get that know some. I know what's going on. I know what it takes to make these things happen mm-hmm. as well as, hey, I have the information and I can disseminate that to a lot of people at once. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on a solution for that, by the way. But you're going to love it. Yes. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. All right. I'm going to wrap things up. We've been talking for an hour 15 almost. A um, couple of things here. Make sure you save the date. Uh, Saturday, December 19th. Woo, 9 p.m. 9 p.m. is the five-year anniversary of the feedback at Vulcan Gas Company. Nice. So in the heart of 6th Street. Shout out to everybody at Vulcan. They were, Mark was great. Uh, Kristen, Lever, all those guys. Great venue, great sound, great light lighting too. Uh, so, and we're, the event is to benefit Aussie Music people. Thank you. So uh, as far as the lineup, we have... You have my secret boyfriend, Henry the, and the Invisibles. <laughs> there you go. I winner. guess it's not a secret anymore. Now I've ruined it. No, it's winner of Battle Sorry, of the Dale Bands. Sorry, Dale Watson. Uh, winner of Battle of the Bands, we got um, Shahid, Soul Sessions coming, and I'm crossing my fingers that he brings D-Madness. <laughs> nice. Um, and we have DJ Protégé, who'll be playing in between, uh, hosted by Riders Against the Storm. Nice. Uh, also, we're going to have some food mm-hmm. uh, catered. Um, looking into a couple other things. We have the red carpet like we always do at yes. feedback events. Red carpet, live interviews. And we're not going to ask you how excited you are to be here. Because honestly, we don't give a shit. We just want to. <laughs> we don't. We don't. Because of it's, course it's you're a, excited boring, to be there. It's a boring ass question. Nobody's going to yeah. say no. 
So there's no there's no point asking the question in the first place. So we're gonna be there live, uh, live interviews, red carpet, photography. We're gonna have a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, the flash mob. Hopefully we can pull it off. And a soul train line that would be great because we didn't have one at my last party. So I want <laughs> one for the five year anniversary. God damn it! I'm on my I'm on my soul train line. So I know riders will be all up in oh, there. Oh, they will take care of you. Oh, they will they will, they will make care. it happen. Yeah. So Saturday December nineteenth uh, at Vulcan Gas Company. Tickets are already on sale. At thefeedback.com slash five years. So the number five years. If you just go to the main page, there's a link there. You can, if you, And if you can't make it, you can actually donate too. Oh, perfect. Uh, the tickets are 10, 15, and 20. We got a signed auction going on. We got a mm-hmm. raffle going on. We're still taking donations. If anybody wants knows a company who wants to uh, donate a service or products or whatever, or whatever. Uh, we can add that to the list. We're still compiling a list for that. Uh, make sure you follow the feedback, of course, now on Facebook, Twitter, because I'm gonna keep announcing things as they come. I know it's three weeks ago, but away, but there's a lot of stuff to do. Uh, we'll make it happen no matter what. That's what we do. That's what I do. Well, that's what we all do. Sorry. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, follow the feedback, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, subscribe to the feedback podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Shout out to everybody who tuned in live on Mixler. And that's pretty much it. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much, dude. Thank you. Thank you for coming and support the live music community here in Austin. We're lucky to have a community like this. Go support. Pay the cover. Go tip the band. Tip the band. Do what you got to do. But we have to uh, keep Austin as the live music capital of the world. It's self-proclaimed, so we have to keep kind of... Yeah. We look like assholes if we didn't really <laughs> live up to it, right? All over the, the world. The right. worst it, it's yeah. not even like Texas or the U.S. It's the world. So everybody's looking at us right now. So let's not be assholes about it. Let's go support. Them. All right. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next week. Ciao, ciao.